Welcome to day 178 of Shaped by the Word. We've just described, you know, in yesterday's podcast, uh, the building of the temple and God's desire to be present with his people. And the temple is really impressive in the work that was done in the quarries and the way it was uh, covered in cedar and then covered in hammered gold and not a single stone, you know, was showing. And we're blown away, you know, it took seven years to build this magnificent building. Uh, when we come to chapter 17, we get a bit of a contrast. There's a probably not, you know, chronologically in order, as you'll see when we connect to the dedication of the temple just a little bit after this. But uh, the writer of Kings wants to see side by side. Yeah, Solomon has spent, you know, seven years in building, you know, a temple of the Lord. But he takes 13 years in order to build a temple for himself or a palace for himself. And again, you see just a little juxtaposition of how things ought to be. Uh, our greater monuments in life, and I'm not talking about new buildings that we erect, ought to be dedicated to the Lord. And our, our smaller monuments or any monument at all you know, should be set aside. You know, anything we would do for ourselves should pale in comparison you know, to the honor that we offer the Lord. So we come to, uh, we come to the building of uh, Solomon's palace in, in chapter 7. Before we uh, read, as always, we, we pause and recognize that we were coming here uh, because God's presence is among us. Mm-hmm. Where two or three of us are gathered together in his name, certainly he is there, but because of his spirit, he's present with each of us uh, individually. So we acknowledge his presence, but not only acknowledge his presence, but invite him uh, to do his work in us, which he does through his spirit by his word. And of course, it's one we've called the podcast, Shaped by the Word. That's our hope, that we are shaped by his spirit through his word. Mm-hmm. So Matt, you mind lifting us up in prayer before we read? Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the invitation to draw near to you and to be shaped by your word as, as we read it. Um, we hear from you, we listen to it, we respond to it. Father, give us wisdom as we read. Help us to to see you and all of your beauty as we reflect on um, who you are, how you revealed yourself to us, how you've interacted with us, and and bigger than that, how, how you have rescued us in Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you um, for this time together as your body. Thank you for the, um, the medium of podcast where we can, um, we can be encouraged together as your church. So would you build us up uh, for your glory? Father, meet with us at this time. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The final sentence in our English translations of chapter 6, he had spent seven years building the temple. Chapter 7, it took Solomon 13 years, however, to complete the construction of his palace. He built the palace of the forest of Lebanon, 100 cubits long, 50 wide, and 30 high, with four rows of cedar columns supported trim and cedar beams. It was roofed with cedar above the beams that rested on the columns. 45 beams, 15 to a row. Its windows were placed high set in, in sets of three facing each other. All the doorways had rectangular frames. They were in the front part in sets of three facing each other. He made a colonnade 50 cubics long and 30 feet wide, 30 and 30 wide cubics rather. In front of it was a portico and in front of that were pillars and an overhanging roof. He built the throne hall, the hall of justice where he was to judge and he covered it with cedar from floor to ceiling, and the palace in which he was to live set further back was similar in design. Solomon also made a palace like this hall for Pharaoh's daughter, whom he had married. 
All these structures from the outside to the great court and from the foundation of the eaves were made of blocks of high-grade stone cut to size and smoothed on their inner and outer faces. The foundations were laid with large stones of good quality, some measuring ten cubics and some eight. Above were high-grade stones cut to size and cedar beams. The great courtyard was surrounded by a wall of three courses of dressed stone and one course of trim cedar beams, as was the inner courtyard of the temple of the Lord with its portico. And we skip to chapter 8, and we talk about the dedication of the temple. Then King Solomon summoned into his presence at Jerusalem the elders of Israel, all the heads of the tribes and the chiefs of the Israelite families, to bring the ark of the Lord to the covenant from Zion, the city of David. All the Israelites came together to King Solomon at the time of the festival in the month of Ethnaim, the seventh month. When all the elders of Israel had arrived, the priests took up the ark, and they brought up the ark of the Lord and the tent of the meeting and all the sacred furnishings in it. The priests and Levites carried them up, and King Solomon and the entire assembly of Israel that had gathered about him were before the ark, sacrificing so many sheep and cattle that they could not be recorded nor counted. The priests then brought the ark of the Lord's covenant to its place in the inner sanctuary of the temple, the most holy place, and put it beneath the wings of the cherubim. Cherubim spread their wings over the place of the ark and overshadowed the ark and its carrying poles. Its poles were so long that their ends could be seen from the holy place in front of the sanctuary, but not from outside the holy place, and they are still there today. There was nothing in the ark except the two stone tablets that Moses had placed in it at Horeb, where the Lord made a covenant with Israelites after they came out of Egypt. When the priests withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Then Solomon said, The Lord said that he would dwell in a dark cloud. I have indeed built a magnificent temple for you, a place for you to dwell forever. While the whole assembly of Israel was standing there, the king turned around and blessed them and then said, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who with his own hand has fulfilled what he promised with his own mouth to my father David. For he said, Since the day I brought my people Israel out of Egypt, I have not chosen a city in any tribe of Israel to have a temple built so that my name might be there, but I have chosen David to rule my people Israel. Father David had it in his heart to build a temple for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. But the Lord said to my father David, You did well to have it in your mind to build a temple for my name. Nevertheless, you are not the one to build the temple, but your son, your own flesh and blood. He is the one who will build the temple for my name. The Lord has kept the promise he made. I have succeeded David, my father, and now sit on the throne of Israel, just as the Lord promised. And I have built the temple for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. I provided a place there for the ark, in which the covenant that the Lord made with our ancestors when he brought them out of Egypt. And so we have, again, uh, historically, or probably chronologically, uh, the completion of the temple and the dedication of the temple. But uh, uh, the writer who you know, inserts you know the the completion of his uh, of Solomon's palace right in the middle, and again you just have a sense of foreboding uh, that Solomon's you know priorities are turning inward, you know at this point and he's more focused on himself. So it's kind of a kind of a little sandwich there. We have the building of the temple, the building of the palace, and then the uh, the dedication of the temple and the presence of the Lord in the temple. I'm just it's going to be starting at the end, so sorry. Um, but just deeply um, struck by the imagery of um, the Lord's presence entering the temple. The priests aren't even able to do 
um, performed their service because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled his temple. Um, and then um, just looking ahead at what we get to see in Revelation and um, that we will all get to be able to worship him together um, in his presence. And there will be cherubim there, but they will no longer be guarding us from his presence. We will get to just um, worship him fully. And I don't know, it's just these images are so, the, the longer I experience what, like a life with the Lord and reading his word, the more exciting these passages are to me because the images are so vivid. And um, I'm sure this moment as God's people was just insanely wonderful and exciting and glorious. But how much more glorious is it going to be when we get to be in his presence. And, and of course, you do have the presence of the Lord in the cloud, which is also, you know, to uh, keep his glory from being overwhelming. So there, there's kind of, and then you do not have that in Revelation. You you, you have face to face rather than, uh, you know, the cloud. So not only do you have the inner wall, you know, the temple separating you in the cloud, you know, you see God's glory, but in the same time, it's still guarded. You see the full glory, you know, in, in our worship. And, of course, the cherubim around the throne, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I mean, this is why reading the Bible, you know, from beginning to end and, and hearing the story unfold is so vital and so important because it, it really does help us to worship and, and to see the beauty of, of these things as they're unfolding. Like, I mean, even here we see Solomon, he's building this temple and the glory of the Lord descends upon the temple in a cloud. And yet when we get to the New Testament and it says, you know, Jesus tabernacled you know, among us, you know, he is the greater temple and who, you know, where God's presence resides. But even on the Mount of Transfiguration, we see God's presence again, you know, come down on a, as a cloud. And, and so these images, you know, they're not just isolated and, you know, we're, we've been tracking with them and, and yet we see the beauty of these things. Um, and, and I think it helps us to, to worship. It leads us um, it, it, it reminds me as I, as I read, thinking practically about you know, this chapter is what's happening here is, is my story, you know, yeah. and, and I get to see God interacting with his people. And yet something far greater yeah. you know, is coming now that, that now I have received. Now you, you said, you know, part of the reason we want to hear the story is because it leads us into a, you know, a greater sense of awe and worship. Yeah. Uh, a lesser reason is it's just an exciting story. You know, because this is, as you've just mentioned, our story, yeah. you know, that we've been invited to. And also there's just, you know, foreshadowing of an eater, even greater son to come uh, who will build a house for the Lord. And, and guess what? We are that house, yeah. you know, living stones mm -hmm. who come to him, the chief cornerstone and being built up in and of ourselves to temple. be, yeah, to be a holy habitation you know, of, of God's presence and the kind of, you know, holy habitation that uh, Katie is talking about where we no longer see through the cloud behind the curtain, but we see him face to face. And it is a, what God has done in the images that he has put together to help us understand what it means to come into his presence and the joy that we have in his presence is absolutely uh, unbe unbelievable. And one thing that really stood out as I was looking at chapter 8, verse 15 is, just this reminder again, and that's why the narrative helps us know this, but that praise to the Lord, it, it's rooted in his promises and in his 
salvation and in his rescue. You know, like why are they praising the Lord? Because he was faithful. He kept his promises when he rescued us out of Egypt. And so it's almost like we've seen all these kind of covenants coming, you know. Yeah. And it's those covenants and these promises of God that's informing the worship of the people. And obviously the same is true for us today. Mm -hmm. Like when we look back on these covenants, they inform our worship and should cause worship. But in light of the new covenant with Christ, how much uh, more reason do we have to worship? Uh, you see Abraham's covenant, you know, that... Uh, um, of a great name and a great blessing. You see Mosaic Covenant of God, you will be my people and I will live among you. And of course, you see the Davidic Covenant, you know, of a house you know, being built for his name where he can dwell among his people. So so many rich stories, you know, coming together in such a you know, remarkable way. And it, it, is, it is, is a beautiful story and this is, you know, this is a beautiful moment in the story. I guess there's kind of a subtext, uh, you know, here. Uh, you know, for us to spend far, you know, greater energy. You know, I does a little cheesy application, but every now and then I do get cheesy. Uh, you know, far more time and energy building his house rather than our house because his house is eternal and ours is ours is temporary. Even if it's all the grandeur of Solomon's portico. It, interestingly enough, just a little side note: this long porch that he built, you know, here is uh, where. Uh, you know, 150 disciples will descend after meeting in the upper room, having received the Holy Spirit and proclaimed the wonderful deeds of God. And, and this is the place where uh, His Spirit will be poured out, you know, for the first time, and people will respond to the gospel for the first time after the gift of the Holy Spirit. So uh, Solomon's portico is uh, several hundred years later is going to play an important role in, in our in our story. Father, thank you for the beauty of Scripture and thank you for your invitation for us to come into your presence by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We thank you that he who, uh, we thank you for him who took our sin upon him so that we might be your sons and daughters and know you personally. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Mm -hmm.